Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Oh, praise the Lord. If you would, go ahead and stand with me. Get that uh, blood flowing. Hope everybody had a good week. Yeah, we trust in the Lord. Amen. Glorious. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, man, I got one verse of scripture. Um, we got a couple songs. Cody's going to be with us uh, bringing the message. I'm excited because I know, man, as this week kind of hit, there's a thousand different ways it could have went. But I know we have a faithful God that's through every step still with us. Amen. All right. So Psalm uh, 61, the psalmist starts, I don't have it on the screen, but it starts with, hear my cry, O God, and intend to my prayer. So that's his heart. And, and verse two, man, thought was so powerful. It says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Mm-hmm. We have something more sure than a heart. Our heart is able to get overwhelmed. We can get worked up. We can get worried. But we have something in Romans 15 that says that we can have patience and comfort through the scriptures. God gave us something, his spirit and his word, that can overthrow the, the overwhelmingness of our heart. And we can throw our trust on him. And he promises that that will lead us to him. So in your, in your trials, in your, your things that you face week by week, I pray that this verse would comfort you, that you have a rock that, that is seeking you to come to him. So I'm going to pray and we're going to go ahead and get started. Father, we do love you. We do praise you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the fact that we have a, a high priest that, that makes intercession for us. Thank you that we can come to you now. I pray that, that each of us had a week that, that we can look back just like the psalmist said. And, and when our heart was overwhelmed, that we had a rock that was, that, that we was drawn to us. That, uh, that we can just meditate on, the, on the, your goodness and your faithfulness throughout the week. And, and right now I use that. I would say that, that no matter how you're working on our lives, that we can point that praise back up to you because you're a faithful God. You are here for us this week and you'll be here for us next week. So as we... Lift our hearts to you. I pray you inhabit the praise of your people. Be with Jay as he gets to preach in New Philadelphia. Be with Cody as, as he comes and brings your word. So these are faithful men. These are faithful servants of yours. So I pray you just anoint them specially. Father, just be with us as we sing. I pray we sing with all our heart. We love you in all these things. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Same love that set the captives free. 
man, what a call, right? And because of that love, man, it's, I'm just reminded in Romans 12, Paul says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a holy sacrifice, acceptable unto him. And man, Paul uses the mercy of God to beseech us. Think about that, that love, that mercy. We're going to sing a song about that here. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Sins they are many, His mercy is more. 
I'm sorry for talking so much. I, I, I don't have to talk after every song. It's my problem. <laughs> Whatever. I'll get over it. I will say quickly before we hit this next song, if you're here Wednesday night, you heard it once, but I'll say it again. This song means so much to me. It did a lot, and, and to me in my life, man, God can work through a song, amen. And there's spiritual songs that can minister to us, so I would pray as you listen to this song, let it minister to you. How about that?
Father, we do love you. Thank you so much for this opportunity just to come and praise your name. It's a name that is beautiful. It's a name that's wonderful. It's you say the name that only name that can be given under heaven whereby men must be saved, can be saved. So Father, I, I praise that name. I praise the name of Jesus and I pray each one of us has in our heart right now exactly a time and a place where we called upon that name for salvation. And if that hasn't been nailed down, if, if there's people searching, I pray that, that you, you meet with them, prick their heart and give them what they need through Cody's preaching, through the, your word to convict them of their sin before you. Father, I pray for everybody that's had that, that encounter with you, that, that salvation that's by your son. I pray that we're filled with that spirit. So I pray that we listen and be obedient as this, as your word from your messenger comes out. So Father, we do love you and praise you. Thank you for this time. And all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. If you can, turn around, shake some hands, and uh, get to know each other a little bit better. All right. I guess that's my cue. How's everybody? All right, praise the Lord. Well, I'm gonna, evidently, I'm going to make up for the volume that you guys don't have today, so I feel a little hot there. Everybody had a good week? Okay, praise the Lord. We got three people that have. We'll pray for everybody else later. I'm in, I'm in with the other crowd that didn't have a great week either, Andrew, so I'm right there with you. But it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're tuning in online, thank you so much for being with us as well. Um, we do have a few announcements. Uh, first of all, Jay is in New Philadelphia, Ohio. He is doing their REACH conference at Jeff Bartell's church, uh, and Troy Stogsdale's church now too, actually. Uh, so I'm not mistaken, he's preaching this morning, and then he will also be preaching nightly sessions tonight, maybe Monday, Tuesday, and then coming back Wednesday. So be praying for him. I know this is something he's been preparing for for uh, a while now, so I uh, just, I know he needs you, he would covet your prayers. Uh, so also we have, if you'll break out your little app, everybody got your phones, your Android, your iPhone, your, uh, whatever you have nowadays, uh, we're going to go over our upcoming events. Uh, so the one that's not on the schedule that actually comes out first is, uh, uh, Chris Kane is leading a, a um, evangelism workshop that comes on Friday nights. That will be March the, the 10th at 6.30. Uh, teach you how to share your faith uh, and the comforts and the, I would say the comforts of, the, of these four walls. I don't know how comfortable it is, but, but uh, I think it's valuable. Uh, and particularly, you know, the subject we're going to talk about today, I think it's going to kind of go along with that. Uh, so if you're 
you know, everybody has a story, uh, and your story is unique. And so when you're sharing the gospel, the trick is to parlay your story uh, to, and get to know their story so you can ultimately share his story. Amen? And so that's what, we want, that's what we're trying to do with that. So I know that would be uh, profitable for you and be profitable for the kingdom. Uh, so daylight saving time is on March the 12th, and we are springing forward, I believe, correct? Yes? Fall back, spring forward. So some of you uh, that are, uh, for particularly people like me that are obviously sunlight deprived, that'll be a good thing. So, um, but that that's on March the twelfth. So don't forget, Colin is going to do a wake up call for for each person. So and he's going to make sure everybody is here that morning on time. So uh, y'all all got his number and his email. So schedule that. So what time are you going to start those? Yeah. yeah okay. You didn't know you was doing that, did you? I, I'm joking, but it actually isn't a bad idea. Yeah, I, I know you would. That's why it's not a bad idea. So, uh, so obviously, Discipleship Conference, March 19th. Uh, that is in Oakland, Oakland Heights Baptist Church in Cartersville, Georgia. Uh, I think we... Yeah, who's going? Can raise raise of hands anybody that's going? Wow. So nobody likes discipleship, so... <laughs> Okay, so, uh, so obviously I know it's a, it's a tough t- thing to go and take off work, and we've got a lot of stuff going on. There will be, the sessions will be, uh, you know, screening at night, uh, so make sure you get that uh, as well. I think the sessions start, it's Eastern time, so it will be 6.30, 5.30 hour time. Uh, so mission trip, May 20th, we've got, how many people we got going for that? Nine, so we have nine people that desperately need your prayers. Uh, you know, I, I know they're fasting, they're praying, they're studying, uh, and this is going to be an, just an awesome trip for them that are going, and we can partner with them by praying for them uh, and making sure that we you can also support them as well, too, so I know they would appreciate that. And lastly, June 26th is the LFF Student Camp. Uh, that is in... Pisgah, Georgia, Pisgah, Alabama, excuse me, uh, and we'll have more details on that as well. So, any other quick brief announcements? Brief that I've missed. Okay, and we can, if you think of any while I'm preaching, then don't say it while I'm preaching, just wait till we're done. So, uh, so if you don't have any more, we're going to go ahead and take our mission minute, and then we'll take our offering after that, and I'm going to handle that. So, Josh, come on, y'all give him a hand. All right, good morning. So this week we're going to be looking at Joseph and Sherry Hayden's ministry in Zambia. Um, Joseph writes to us and uh, he starts out, man, it's, it's doing nothing but raining in Zambia. Uh, he said sometimes it feels like it's just nonstop raining. Um, they've had roads washed out, uh, bridges washed out. Um, And many areas that he ministers to, he's not able to get to uh, for the past couple weeks. Um, So just be in prayer for them uh, as they deal with this rainy season. It's actually a blessing um, because without the rainy season, they don't, their crops don't do well and uh, uh, they, they run out of food. So um, just, uh, just be praying for the Zambian people. Um and pray for their crops that, that that their crops do well um so 
Joseph writes and he says, uh, Namadula, <laughs> probably didn't say that right, be church plant. It's a church plant in a village. There it is. You try to figure out how to say it. <laughs> but um, the church plant is blowing up. Uh, he says that they started out with like three um, men two months ago. Um, now they're averaging about 21 men and 46 women. Uh, so, I mean, this thing is just blowing up. They had this past week 15 uh, first-time visitors that walked from another village to visit the church plant uh, because of the good report that they had heard. Um, so that's awesome. Not only did they have 15 visitors, but eight people got saved during that service too. So that's a big deal. Um, he also mentions um, Bibello Village. Uh, still having church, even though Joseph hasn't been able to get there. Um, <clears throat> he said that uh, seven people uh, braved the rivers, crossing the rivers and um, the rain to, to meet and worship God. So, I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, if you, there were some videos that Joseph seen. If you're not friends with Joseph on Facebook, please go friend him. But um, he had some videos those rivers are moving pretty good, so for those people to, you know, try to wade through chest-high deep water um, just to get to church, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Um, Joseph and Sherry last week were sick. Um, they had some kind of stomach virus, uh, but they seem to be getting better. Um, also, they plan to travel to Lusaka. This week to um, buy some building materials and also to uh, shop for a, a replacement car for Sherry. Um, and last but not least, these two gentlemen, uh, Enoch, which is 76 years old, and Edward, which is uh, 64 years old, um, they got saved. First time hearing the gospel at uh, 76 and 64 years old and, and uh, they heard the, new good, the, the good news of the gospel and, and got saved so praise the Lord um, it's, it's pretty mind blowing that a you know, 76 year old person hadn't heard the gospel yet but uh, there's people out there that haven't so you know, we need to get to it um, so at this time we'll uh, call the ushers forward um, and we'll pray for Joseph and Sherry and also the offering Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you. Um, God, we're so grateful for Joseph and Sherry uh, and their ministry and what they're doing in Zambia. Um, God, I know right now with the weather, uh, the rainy season, you know, it's, it's hard for Joseph and Sherry to get, get out to some of these locations. Um, but Lord, um, you know they need it uh, for the crops, and we're, we're thanking you um, that you're, you're giving them this rainy season a good rainy season so that they can have a, hopefully a, a good harvest season. Um, but Lord, we just lift Sherry and, and, uh, and Joseph up and God, we pray that you keep them protected. Uh, God, we pray that they find a, a nice vehicle for Sherry to, to drive. Um, and Lord, we just, uh, right now as we take this offering, uh, Lord, we just pray that 
you know, we can use it to bring honor and glory to you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Joseph and Sherry are, they are beloved to me. Uh, I know the people that have spent some time with them. Uh, it's very evident when you spend time with them that they love the Lord and they're serious about what they're doing. Definitely keep them in your prayers. So if you will, now turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, interesting subject today. I, I told uh, Michael Pierce, he said earlier that he wanted uh, something not too preachy and he wanted to leave feeling good about himself you know, when he left today. And so I told him, I said, well, we're talking about leprosy today. So you don't have leprosy. So he's, gonna, he's, he's already doing well today. So. I love Michael, and anytime, he, he's going to stop talking to me before service, I know that. So, so obviously we are talking, so the title of the message today is, What's in the Naaman? Uh, and we're going to talk about the story of Naaman. Uh, yes, the title is a pun, sort of. Uh, so we're going to see today, and you may be, you're probably familiar with this story. Uh, it was, I was trying to get some cool graphics, um, you know, for this, and every, every, each one that I put in, it was all, everything was kid stories, like it was kid graphics, cartoons, you know, and I started to put one of those up, but, you know, I uh, couldn't find the right one, but, you know, so even children are familiar with this story, um, but Naaman had a terrible disease outwardly, for sure, and man, it's, if you pull these, I don't know if you've seen, even like in the cartoons, he's got all these stops, you know, scabs all over him and everything, I'm like, do we really need to show kids that? But we do, and there is a reason why. Because his outward disease was a picture of an inward disease that also needed a cure. The inward disease that he had is the same inward disease that you and I have. It's the same disease that every human that has ever lived has experienced. So, I'll ask a question again. What's in a Naaman? The same thing that's in you and the same thing that's in me. It's in us all and that's sin. And the only prescription... And it's not more cowbell, and I'm sorry that Corey Carter's not here to hear that joke, but it's not more cowbell, it's Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's pray. Dear God, we love you. And man, I am just so thankful uh, to be here, to, uh, to be among God's people, uh, to stand in your presence. And I just want to thank uh, just you for everything that you do for us. Man, the song that we sing, I'm, I'm truly overwhelmed. It's a humbling experience to be up here, uh, just to stand in your presence and try to bring your word. Uh, it's a humbling thing to study, uh, to have you speak to me uh, through your Holy Spirit and through your word. Uh, and just, just, just to see things that I haven't seen before and see things in a new way. Uh, and, you know, I pray today that we've all come with ears to hear. I pray that we, you know, that space between our heads and our hearts, that we can just hear the words that you have for us today, and, and we can respond accordingly, uh, that we can be obedient, that we can humble ourselves before you, uh, you know, and whatever that looks like for each person here, uh, I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves in a way where we can hear what you would have for us today. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the shed blood uh, that enables us all uh, to spend an eternity with you if we'll just call upon your name. I love you, and I'm just praised that you just help us today. Teach us from your word as only you can. And all these things we ask in Christ's name, amen. All right, so uh, we're going to start reading in chapter 5, and we're going to read 1 through 15. 
Um, and let's see where we get. So verse 1 says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid, the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes, and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha... The man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Verse 9, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go, and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, Wouldest, not thou, or wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, to thee, wash and be clean? Verse 14, Then when he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. So, you have seven points today. Uh, they're all starting with the letter P. I'm sorry to my wife. She gets on to me for doing that, but we're going to do it anyway. So the first one is, uh, your first. you have a patient. You have a patient today. Um, and it's interesting, you know, as I, I was looking at this, obviously I work in the medical field, and we'll have more about that in a minute, but it really seemed to me almost like a triage situation. Uh, for those of you in the medical field, you have a patient, uh, you have uh, a certain disease that he has, and then you see the different treatment options that are available, and it turns out there is only one. Uh, so it was pretty, that's how it kind of hit me. So Naaman is your, goes in your blank. He's, he's your patient. And notice that it says that he was the captain of the host of the king of Syria. So right now we already know he's not from Israel. Uh, he, is, he is part of an army that is the enemy of Israel. Uh, he, his king is named Ben-Hadad. Uh, but it says that he is a great man and he's honorable. So even though he is Israel's enemy, he still has some good qualities. 
Uh, and look, even God can use people that aren't they're ungodly. He, they can use, he can use anybody he wants to. It says, because by him, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. And it says that he was a mighty man in valor as well. So let's look at some of these, kind of cross-reference some of these things. So the first one we want to see is 1 Samuel 9, 6. Uh, so this is when he says that he is a great man and he's honorable. There's some great men in the Bible that have that same title. First one is Samuel. Uh, he said unto him, this is Saul when he's uh, trying to find him. It says, behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. I'm speaking of Samuel. All that he saith come surely, cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us the way that we should go. Uh, Judges, uh, Jephthah was called a mighty man of valor. And Judges 11 once says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begat Jephthah. And lastly, 1 Kings 11:28, Jeroboam. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And so Naaman had a reputation. Naaman had, he was a commander of a great army. Uh, he, had every, he had a lot of resources at his disposal. And we're going to see um, how that plays out. So point number two, he has a problem. And so if you're sensitive about... Medical things, you know, some of us, especially in the medical field, like we're sending everybody the gross pictures, you know, of, all, of Jamie's, Jamie's my people, so uh, we're sending everybody the gross pictures and things like that, and some, anybody watch the Dr. Pimple Popper, any, any, yeah, anybody, yes, yeah, love it, yes, I love it, so some of y'all just already tuned out, if you're tuning in the line, I'm sorry, so yeah, um, but so leprosy, it's the problem. And it's also called, and we're just gotta, this is what Google says about it, so you can take it for what it's worth. So it says it's also called Hansen's disease. It's a chronic, curable, infectious disease, mainly causing skin lesions and nerve damage. Uh, leprosy is caused by infection with the bacterium Mycobacterium leprae. It mainly affects the skin, eyes, nose, and peripheral nerves. Everybody's looking around at each other right now saying, hmm. Just looking to see if we've got anything, right? Symptoms include light color or red skin patches with reduced sensation, numbness and weakness in hands and feet. It can be cured uh, with 6 to 12 months of multi-drug therapy. Early treatment avoids disability. So automatically we see a problem, and if you're familiar with your Bible at all, there were no drugs for this. Uh, and you can, the name of people that were healed in the Bible anyway is very rare. Uh, so... How do people get leprosy? The disease is transmitted through droplets from the nose and mouth. Uh, prolonged close contact over months with someone with untreated leprosy is needed to catch the disease. So this is not something you can catch just by, just by passing somebody. Yes, although it's rare, leprosy still exists today. According to the World Health Organization, you can take that for what it's worth, uh, approximately 208,000 people have leprosy around the globe, with most cases found in Asia and Africa. In the United States, about 100 people receive a leprosy diagnosis every year. So that's what Go, Go Ogle says about it. Uh, so what does the Bible say about it? Well, first of all, in Leviticus 13 and 14, we spend two chapters uh, talking about this disease. So it was prevalent. It was prevalent for Israel. It was prevalent for every nation at that time. It, and it's a picture of uncleanness. It causes uncleanness. In Leviticus 13 and 14, you have a very detailed um, you know, 
rules and regulations that you are supposed to follow if you, get, if you catch this disease. You are put out of the camp. Uh, you have to basically stay away from everybody. You ha- and if everybody, you have to cover your mouth and face. And if you, try to, if you get around somebody, then they're going to ha- ha- unclean. And you have to actually say you're unclean to other people to make sure they don't get in contact with you. Uh, and so the only way that they were healed and the only, is just staying away from everybody and hoping that it went away on its own. Uh, and then there was also rules that they were supposed to do when they came back. Uh, to get back, they had to go to the priest, and we'll see some of that. And they had to cleanse themselves. They had to shave themselves. Uh, it's, it's, it's just something you definitely do not want. Uh, but notice, and notice what I said earlier, that it comes from being in contact with something closely for a long time, right? Uh, keep that in your mind. It's a picture of sin. Uh, Numbers 5, 1 and 2 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they that put out of the camp every leper and every one that hath an issue, and whoso is defiled by the dead. So not only was, were you cast out of the camp for leprosy, you were cast out of the camp for any kind of unclean issue, but it was associated with being defiled by the dead. These were the two things like the big no-nos in Israel's camp. You can't be a leper and you can't touch a dead person. Uh, and, you know, they, it was so much so that they even had their own atonement for these things that they had to do. Uh, and next, it's God uses it for judgment. Uh, you remember the story of Miriam. Uh, Moses had married an Egyptian woman. And Miriam, you know, was being in her, using her gift of exhortation, uh, decided that she would, um, you know, complain and criticize Moses. And God took that serious. Uh, Numbers 12:10. The cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And she actually had to stay outside the camp for seven days. Uh, she was brought back in later, uh, but yeah. So it's a big deal, and it's a picture of sin, and it requires judgment. Number three. Uh, let's look at the prophet. And the prophet is Elisha. And Elisha is one of my favorite people in the Bible um, because he didn't take anything off anybody, you know. And like he had, he had once he decided that he was in the ministry, he was all in the ministry. If you remember his calling, Elijah had, had come to him, and remember he said, "Just let me let me take care of some business at home, and then I'm all in." Uh, and he had to make he had to reconcile that with himself with his. Um, the trade that he had as far as with his cattle, he took his, the plow, he took all of it, he cut it up in pieces, he boiled all of it, uh, and he said bye to his family, and then he was ready to do ministry. Uh, and so when he did that, it wasn't like he wasn't immediately cast into ministry. You don't see him doing anything uh, till, till Elijah is brought up in a whirlwind. Um, only thing that he does is he just sits and observes. He washes the hands of Elijah. And I think a lot of times we get in too big a hurry in ministry. Uh, if we have somebody that's mentor, mentoring us or we're discipling somebody, and it's, it's normal for them to be eager. It's normal for them to want to do things, right? Um, but they need to go at their pace. I mean, they need to understand that uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, so to speak. So just because you're getting discipled or get, you have somebody that's shepherding you, just be patient. Things happen in God's time. Uh, so... He, what's significant about him is he asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. 2 Kings 2.9 And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, 
Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And I've often thought about that. Man, he was just shooting for the, I mean, he was shooting for the moon at this point. Like, let's see, I got to think of something. Oh, can I have a double portion? You know, but God rewarded that. He rewarded his lofty goals. He gave him his double portion. He performs twice the miracles of Elijah. Uh, but let's talk about his bedside manner a little bit. Uh, so 2 Kings 2, 23, 25. Uh, and he went up from thence into Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, we, do we have any kids left in the room? So, okay, all right. So I just want you guys to be careful. If you're criticizing Jay's bald head or if you're criticizing my bald head that is, that is coming, just be careful. So here's what happens. Go up, thou bald head. This is what the little children say to him. Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came, that wasn't it. It didn't stop there. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear 40 and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel and from thence he returned to Samaria. So just be careful when you're criticizing, you know, whoever's up here preaching. So, um, But yeah, so... And there's obviously some doctrinal application there, and we, we really don't have time to get into all that, but uh, I mainly did that for Job. But. All right, so next thing, 2 Kings 3, 11 through 14. And he's not, and the reason I've said all, he's not impressed by Naaman. We're going to see that in a minute. And he doesn't care to speak the truth, no matter who's around. Uh, so uh, they're about to go to war, and Israel... And uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdoms all come together. You have Jehoshaphat, who's the king of the southern kingdom. Uh, you have Jehoram, who's the king of the northern kingdoms at that time. Uh, and we all, if you study those out, you study those kingdoms, we know that there was not one good king of Israel during that time, uh, during that whole time. I think you had maybe five or six out of uh, the southern kingdom. Uh, but Jehoram was a wicked king. And Second Kings three eleven through fourteen said, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we inquire of the Lord by him? And so Jehoshaphat had come in, and he's like, well, we need a prophet. Well, guess who the prophet is? It's Elisha, and Jehoram cannot stand Elisha. Um, and one of the king of the Israel servants answered and said, here is Elisha the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, that word of the Lord is with him. Uh, so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Edom, went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, what have I to do with thee? So he immediately comes in. He doesn't waste any time. He says, man, why, why are you calling me in here? You know, I, I don't want anything to do with you. Get thee to the prophets of thy father and the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, nay, for the Lord hath called these three, th- three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely... Were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, who was a good king, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. So we see right here he's not going to be impressed by Naaman, and he doesn't care to speak the truth. Uh, So point number four, we see the patient's presentation. So Naaman comes in. uh, It says, verse 9, it says, So Naaman came uh, with his horses and his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. So when he comes in... We, doesn't, we don't see him being humble. He's got his entourage. He's got everything about him. Uh, he's driving up in his, you know, in his limousine or his Cadillac at that, t- you know, at that time. And he's expecting some grand spectacle. We're going to see that. Um, we see no humility. He's already approaching God and the man of God on his terms. 
you know, and he's praying, he's, he's going to ask for healing, uh, but he wants God to move in his life, but he doesn't really want to humble himself before God yet. And that's what we do. You know, we want healing. We, we have, on you know, Wednesday night, we have a prayer service. Uh, and some of that, that may be news to some of you, but we start at 6.30 every Wednesday night. Um, and we come in and we, have, we pray for our church. We pray for our, our nation. We pray for people to get saved. We pray for all these things. And that's a good thing, and it's necessary. But if we don't humble ourselves before we start, if we come in praying with a bad attitude, then those things, it doesn't get past the ceiling. And so we need to make sure that we're humbling ourselves before we ask for God to heal us or heal anybody, really. So your first key, uh, humility before the Lord leads to healing from the Lord. You have to be humble. Um, and this was a hard thing, and we're going to see this with Naaman. Uh, he's never been, had to humble himself yet, but he's going to. Uh, Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. You see, our problem is we come, we come to God uh, without humbling ourselves, and he's like, you're not doing it right. How often do we come in here, and we come in maybe... Uh, there's something, maybe something we need in our lives, but we never humble ourselves, and then we wonder why God doesn't move. Well, you haven't humbled yourself. You know, uh, James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5.6 Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. See, the thing about it is, is we, because uh, in our eyes, you know, hey, I got the Spirit of God, I'm saved. I'm somebody, you know, and we are somebody. We're children of God, um, but in our flesh, uh, and without God and the righteousness of God, we're nothing. And so, even with, even having the Spirit of God and having uh, these promises that we have, we still have to humble ourselves. Because Acts in, in Acts ten, you see this uh, in the story of Cornelius. Peter was called to go and, and preach to him. And the problem was he was a Gentile, and Peter, you know, had to be shown. Uh, but in Acts 10, 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Romans 2, 11, For there is no respect of persons with God. And so God's not impressed with you. He's not impressed with me. Uh, you know who he's impressed with? He's impressed with his son. And so we need to get as close to, if you want God to even hear you get close to his son, that's the point. Uh, and the, we're going to see that with uh, Naaman today. We see that as um, Elisha's like, so, okay, you're, let's see what he says to him. Verse 10, the prescription. Let's see his response. So in verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. So he does, you know, he does respond, but he's doing this because he wants to see God get glory. But does Elisha go out to him? This is a big guy. I mean, this is like the captain of the host of Syria. You know, this is somebody. Uh, you know, he sends a messenger. And so Naaman, we're going to see, he doesn't really uh, respond too well to that. And he asks him, he tells him to say, go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thou shalt be clean. So why does he have to wash seven times? I'm glad you asked. So, so let's look at Leviticus chapter 14. 
Um, so, yeah, have you got that up there? Okay. Uh, so, Leviticus 14, 7 through 9. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, uh, wash himself in water, that he may be clean. And after that he shall come into the camp, and shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days. But it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave off all his hair off his head, and his beard, and his eyebrows, even all his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes. Also he shall wash his flesh in water, and he shall be clean. So the standard is the same. The standard is the same for Naaman, just like it was the standard for Israel. Uh, God is a God of order, and he had, the same, he had to do the same thing. So why doesn't Elisha fall all over himself to respond to Naaman? You know, he's a mighty man of valor. Uh, he's, it says he's an honorable man even. But first of all, Naaman's a leper. So he would have been considered unclean, right? Uh, so second, Naaman is the captain of the Syrian army who is Israel's enemy. So probably not a good thing there. And third, and this is the most important, just like God, Elisha wasn't impressed with Naaman's reputation. He wasn't impressed with his military exploits. And he wasn't impressed with all of his horses and his chariots. You know, how often do we see, when I, when I saw that, how often do we see people, and particularly in churches, you have somebody come in that's of some social significance. They come into church, and what do we do? Well, we give them the pulpit. Right? We'll bend over backwards for them. You know, we'll give them the pulpit to promote some political or social agenda. They come into church, we'll make them deacons to access their social or economic influence. And all the while, we're ignoring the people that really are here for the right reason, right? Uh, so James talks about this in chapter 2. It says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, there come also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou here, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he had promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. So Elisha wasn't impressed, and he was going to treat him the same as he's going to treat anybody else. And we need to do that as well. We don't need to, you know, this pulpit is for somebody that's called of God to stand up here and preach the gospel. Uh, it's not for the mayor. It's not for the president. It's not for somebody running for office. Uh, and we need to be careful about who we give it to. Uh, maybe we got cut off from YouTube, and that's fine too. So, um, Next thing, we want to look at Naaman's reaction. Verse 11, it says, But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. So it didn't really ask him to do much. Go wash, right? But he said, and Naaman doesn't really, he, has, he doesn't react, I would say, in, in a right way here. He says, uh, he gets angry. And why does he get angry? Because God, I mean, Elisha really didn't ask him to do much. He gets angry because things aren't the way that he wants to do them. 
You know, and I mentioned earlier, I work in the medical field and I see this every day. I'm guilty of it. Uh, you know, we'll have a doctor that'll prescribe a treatment, medicine maybe, possible physical therapy. But if they ask us to do the simple things, and this happened to me, I had to go to the doctor for a physical not too long ago, and they didn't want to talk about any of the labs that were abnormal or any of that stuff. It was eat better, exercise, and lose weight, right? Um, have I done any of those things? No. Um, the problem is because it's the, it's, it's the simple things. It's too easy. Just give me some medicine. Give me a pill to take. Uh, because that's how I want to do it. I want it to be the easy way. See, it was much easier, and we're going to see this for Naaman, to wash in his waters than it was to wash in the waters of Jordan. Uh, and so he was upset about that. Uh, Genesis 4, 4, and 5. And, it's, and Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. So Cain and Abel, Cain had an idea of how he wanted to worship God. Uh, the problem is it was the wrong way to do it. And so just like with Naaman, he wanted to do things his way. And I wonder how, how often in churches we have that same attitude. Uh, that we come in here, but we're going to do this the way we want to do it. And if it's not done the way we want to do it, then we'll just kind of close off. Right? Um, well, we have, that's the wrong attitude. Psalm 1-1 talks, it's not in your notes, but when it talks about sitting in the seat of the scornful, right? Um, and when you're sitting in the seat of the scornful, God cannot speak to you. Till you get to you humble yourself. So 2 Chronicles 26, 14 through 21. Uh, another guy that was struck with leprosy. That's another guy that had a problem with his pride. Uh, his name is Uzziah. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the hosts, shields and spears and helmets and habergens and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning man to be on the towers upon the bulwarks, to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Uh, but there, here comes the but. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. So what's the problem with him going in to burn incense? He's not a priest. Uh, that wasn't God's pattern. That wasn't what God had for him to do. But he, because he was lifted up, he decided he would do it anyway. Verse 17, And Azariah the prince went in after him, and with his fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men, and they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. So he even has, that's 80, how many is that? 81 guys, 81 priests saying, Hey man, that's enough, let's stop. But he does it anyway. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand uh, to burn incense. Like he doesn't put it down. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Uh, and Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. This was a great man. He was a great king. He had done everything the way God had called him to do it. He got pride. 
And here's how he spends the rest of his life. Verse 21, Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death and dwelt in a several house, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Started so well and ended so poorly, all because he was prideful. He wouldn't humble himself. Uh, and the problem is that he thought. And the problem is that you think. And the problem is that I think. And we think that we know more than whoever's doing this or leading worship or watch, watching the people in the back. You name it. Um, we think that we have some thoughts that how things should be done. Well, the problem is God, you're, God's not interested in what you think about it. Uh, Genesis 29 through 11. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us, and what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou? Because basically he's saying that Sarah was his, was his sister, and he actually did this twice. Uh, and Abraham said, because, Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. Here's what God thinks about your thoughts. Sorry. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Even Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Uh, Connor does that because he's wanting to get taller, and he's just he's thinking, if I can just get a little, if I can get taller, you know, so... But that's, that's what we think. We think if we just think it hard enough, and we even have some churches today that are even saying, if you'll just speak it, you know, God will do it. We're going to, have a, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, so next, is he questions the method. What does he say? He says, surely he'll come out to me. He'll call on the name of the Lord his God, strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Where did he get these ideas like, where did, how does he know to, that that's, his, or why does he think in his head this is what was going to happen? Well, he knows the story of Ahab. He knows the story of Elijah. Uh, and he knows that this is what the prophet would do. 1 Kings 18, 24. Call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the, of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Uh, so, you know, he had heard the story, so that's why he thought there was going to be some great thing happen. Uh, he thought that there was going to be some great spectacle, and man, it's just going to be entertainment, right? Um, the problem was that wasn't what, what God told him to do. He just wanted him to do the simple things. And even if you see this in John chapter 4 uh, with the, the, the certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum, um, you see that, that Jesus talks about this, and except you see signs and wonders... You will not believe. Um, but he had faith. And you see that he was, when he had the faith in God's word, then his son was healed. In Matthew 8, you have a servant that uh, has, has a sickness. Um, and the same thing happens. When they listen to the word of God and, and believe the word of God, that's where the power is. It's the power in, in the word of God. So the problem that we see, just like then, you know, Naaman look, resembles a lot of our churches today, and particularly of the, the NAR ilk, uh, and that's a new apostolic reformation, just in case you're wondering. You know, unless you have like a grand spectacle, somehow God isn't in it, right? If, if people aren't falling out on the floor, if people aren't running back and forth and, you know, jumping and shouting and everything else, then somehow God wasn't there, um, you know, 
You think of Elijah in the cave. Remember when he was running and he's in the cave? He wasn't in, God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. Where was he? The still small voice, right? right. And don't get me wrong. I, you know, I'm all for the Holy Spirit moving in God's people. Um, you know, there's, there's a revival going on in Asbury, uh, in Kentucky. Uh, you can make your own determinations about that. I've seen both sides. A lot of people are criticizing it. Some people are saying it's the best thing ever. Um, you can, you've got the Holy Spirit just like I do. You can make your own determination about that. Um, but what I do know is that great signs and wonders are for the Jews. They're not for the church. Um, so we have all we need in his word. So what was the line from Gladiator? Are you not entertained? Right? Right? And I say this because this is, you know, obviously this is not entertainment, but God isn't interested in your entertainment. He's interested in your obedience, you know. Uh, and maybe if we were more entertaining, I, we would say something different, but we're not. So he just wants you to be obedient. Just to, whenever, let's say if the Lord comes out, just say, uh, let's just do that. Uh, and next, name and questions the authority. And Naaman questions Elisha's authority. He questioned God's authority. He says, aren't my waters better? Um, he wants healing, but he thinks he knows more than Elisha. He thinks he knows more than the man of God. In other words, he just says, let's do this, but let's do it my way. Uh, well, this wasn't Burger King. You know, it wasn't going to have it his way. And God, same thing with our thoughts, our ways. God is not impressed with those things either. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. And so your next key is healing can only come when we submit to God's authority in our life. He, Naaman is he's in a desperate situation, but he's not going to get healing until he humbles himself. And you may be in a desperate situation today as well, but, and you won't get healing unless you humble yourself. You may be asking God to move in whatever area it is that you need, but if you don't humble yourself, he won't move. And you won't get the healing because you're not willing to submit to his authority. And that's a lot of our problems today. Uh, verse 13, it says, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. And thank God he had some servants that had some sense, right? Uh, and thank God for us that sometimes we have people that, in our, that can speak truth to us when uh, we get prideful and we won't humble ourselves. We can, we can hear from our pastors. We can hear from our disciples. We can hear from our uh, spouses or even our children sometimes. Uh, they can say, it's really not that big a deal. Just do it. Uh, and the problem is that he wanted some great thing. And the problem was it wasn't really... He, a great thing that he needed. He just needed to be humble. First Samuel 12 talks about that. Um, a great thing is not some th necessarily a good thing. Uh, they had, Israel had asked for a king. And Samuel, in their response, or in response to their, you know, wanting that king, 
This is what happens. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. It's not wheat harvest today. I will call unto the Lord and he shall send thunder and rain that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Uh, so a great thing, not necessarily, sometimes it isn't a good thing. So, so for all of Naaman's greatness... He isn't willing to humble himself. Even his servants realize the simplicity of Elisha's instructions. You know, sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things, right? Uh, you look at Adam and Eve. How big was their Bible? <laughs> Two sentences. Right? I'm, I'm thinking they had a hard time with that. In reality, the Ten Commandments aren't that complicated either. And we have a hard time with that. You know, even when we try to share our faith, you know, and I'm glad again that Chris does what he's doing on Friday nights. You know, a lot of, a lot of what, what we'll try to tell you is don't complicate it. Keep it simple. You know, what we do a lot of times is because we try to complicate matters instead of, instead of just emphasizing the simplicity of the gospel, well, we lose the listener, right? Um, or... Sometimes you're going to have a listener that wants to make it harder than it is to be saved. And the problem is, in, in Naaman's defense, he's a heathen Syrian without the Spirit of God. So what's our excuse? You know, um, we shouldn't have that problem. So let's look at point number six. I, I couldn't decide between performance or procedure here. So I went with performance, or did I go with procedure? See, I didn't even know what I went with, so Procedure. Yeah, so if you like the other one better, just you can write that in or type it in. So, verse fourteen says, "Then went he down and just dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like into the flesh of a little child, and he was clean." And so this phrase, "according to the saying of the man of God," man, if we would just get this in our heads, if we could just humble ourselves. And get past who's, sometimes even who's delivering the word of God to you. Because I'm nobody. I can promise you that. And your pastor is nobody as well. It doesn't matter who's in this pulpit. If they're saying, thus saith the Lord, then that's all you need. It doesn't matter. Uh, and so Psalm 119.9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. If you want cleansing today, if you want healing, be obedient. It's that simple. Psalm 119.41, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation, according to thy word. You look at two instances in Luke, uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, when Mary was called. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You think about what God had asked her to do and what you know, this, this angel had, had delivered to her. And she just simply said, I'm here. Be it according to thy word. Luke 2, 28-32. You have Simeon. He's an old man. He's been, he's been promised uh, by God that he's going to see the Messiah before he dies. Uh, and he, they bring him to the temple and says, Then took he, took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, 
Silas prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. Uh, so oh, your next key, obedience to the word of God is the key to victory. And if God, you know, whatever your situation is today, and I'm sensitive to those things. I know no, I, nobody's got leprosy, so we're good there. But uh, whatever your situation is, it could be physical, it could be spiritual. Uh, just be obedient to the word of God. And you may not get the, the healing you're expecting, but you'll get the healing that you're need, that's needed. Um, you know, and God's not going to give you that victory until you let go of your pride. Um, and that's free. So Luke 4.27. And this may, I don't, this may not be in your sermon notes, but I'll put it in later. But it says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Eliseus the prophet. Naaman wasn't the only leper. He's the only one that got healing. Uh, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. So what was different about him is he was obedient, right? Uh, and finally, your last point is the proclamation. I've exhausted the letters that, or the words that start with P, so there were seven of them. So. Verse 15, he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold... Now I know there's no God of the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Um, I thought about two, there was two things that came up when I was cross-referencing this. Uh, the first was in Exodus 18. Uh, Jethro, uh, Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein thou dealt proudly, he was above them. Uh, in first, first Kings uh, 17, 23 and 24. Uh, if you, you know the story, Elijah had, had come in and, and started residing with a widow woman from Zarephath. Uh, the only thing that she had was her son and uh, just very little resources. Um, and the one thing that she had, God, took, you know, for this purpose took him away. Uh, it says, and, you know, she was needing a miracle at that point. Uh, verse 23, it says, And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. You see, it doesn't matter who the messenger is. If it's truth, it's truth. And, you know, we are accountable to respond accordingly to that. Naaman wasn't going to get healing until he decided to submit to Elisha's authority and to submit to God's authority. And the same thing applies to you today. You won't get healing, you won't get blessing until you decide to submit. And so, the, you know, as they say, the ball's in your court, just like it's in mine, right? Colin, if you'll come. And we're going to close. Um, so... You know, we mentioned earlier that leprosy is a picture of sin. You know, it didn't matter how mighty Naaman was or even how honorable he was. He was still infected when exposed. We, are, as humans, are infected from birth by sin. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short. Right? Romans 5.12 
uh, says that sin entered into this world by one man, and that was by Adam. Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. It doesn't stop there, though. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, so the only way for Naaman to be cured was through belief that God could heal him by obeying his word. The only way for us to be saved from our sin condition is belief in the gospel. And the gospel is simply this. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15. The words of God says that if you'll believe that, you shall be saved. Shall means shall. Don't care how you, how you, what version it is. Romans 10, 9 through 13 uh, talks about that. If you'll just confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart, right? Uh, so it really is that simple. You don't be like Naaman and think there has to be some grand spectacle or complicated steps. It just takes childlike faith. Will you allow the incorruptible seed of the Word of God and the Spirit of God to convict you of your sin today? You, like Naaman, can be forever changed by responding rightly to God's Word. Church, for us, are we coming to God trying to dictate the terms of our obedience? If so, would we be willing to repent and just say yes to whatever God is calling us to according to His will, not ours? Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. I'm just thankful for the opportunity to stand before you. And I humble myself before you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinful man. There's nothing good in me but you. And Lord, there may be somebody here today that doesn't know you, doesn't know you in a person, doesn't have a personal relationship with you and with your son. I just pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. It's very simple. All they have to do is just... Again, just confess that you're Lord of their life. Admit that they're a sinner and that they're in need of a Savior. Your word says you will save them. It doesn't say that you'll think about it. It doesn't say you'll get back with them. If they will do those things, you'll save them. And I just pray that if there's anybody here that needs to do that, they would do it. Um, you know, for us as a church, for those that, are, that say they're saved, praise the Lord. But you know, just because we're saved doesn't mean that we're off the hook. It doesn't mean that we've somehow arrived or we've somehow, uh, you know, got to the stature of the fullness of Christ that it talks about in Ephesians. Trust me, there we are nowhere near that. Uh, I just pray that we are humbling ourselves before you on a daily basis, that we come to you expecting uh, things to happen because uh, we know that we're nothing and you're something. You are somebody, and you are the only thing uh, that is good in us, dear God. I pray that, uh, you know, we just have a, have a humble heart, that we uh, confess our sin, that we acknowledge it, and that we will turn from it uh, so we can be used by you, dear God. Lord, I'm just thankful for the time. I do pray that we take these things and we apply it uh, today, that we take it uh, throughout you know, the rest of this week. Don't let things stop just because we were in church on Sunday and uh, forget it as soon as we walk out these doors, dear God. Help us to be humble um, daily. Help us to put off the old man and put on the new man on a daily basis, dear God. That way that we can be used by you. We love you. We're just thankful for the time. Guys, the altar's open. Uh, Colin's going to have